Hey, 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 how's it going, film fans? This is the SDFP, the Second Day Film Podcast, coming at you on Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. I, of course, am not Evan Dean. It's your boy, Brandon Champion, sliding over into the hosting chair on this beautiful summer evening here in Michigan. Uh, Dean is out on vacation, globetrotting around the Caribbean or something, uh, hopefully passing out business cards. But I got my boy Sam, the popcorn correspondent here. How you doing, buddy? What's happening, man? Doing good, doing good. Got a good flick in this week. Glad to be back. For sure, for sure. Well, like Sam said, we took a week off, uh, but we have an incredible show coming your way this evening. Uh, we're going to start by catching you up on who's watching what in the world of TV and film. Uh, and then we'll get to our featured review this evening. It's Disney Pixar's long-awaited sequel, 14 years in the making, Incredibles 2. Uh, but before we do that, we want to tell you ways you can get in touch with us. Sam, why don't you run them down for us? Well, as we are the second day film podcast you can find us on facebook twitter soundcloud itunes google gmail um everything is searchable by the second day film um usually second day film throwing podcasts it's gonna come up we got a fancy logo shout out mega norman meadows on that one um can't miss it once you see it follow us like us tag us give us a shout Make fun of us. Do anything. Yeah, Just and while, get with us. And while we're giving shout-outs, we might as well shout-out our boy Eric Bear, too, who created the bumper music you hear at the start and end of each of our podcasts. We really appreciate him Absolutely. doing that for us. And Megan for designing the sick logo. Right. All right, well, we're going to jump right in here and get to our first segment, Who's Watching What? Uh, Sam, what have you been checking out in the world of TV and film? I finished up my show, Riverdale. I'm all caught up. Season 2 finished. Um, stoked to that they did announce, you know, confirmed. October of this year, they will be filming season three, so that's exciting news. But I kind of went a step back now. Um, I used to watch a lot of shows and kind of, you know, kind of lost judgment of like what was happening and what what film or a show um, or series. So um, I'm really focusing now just on watching one in its entirety before I move on to the next one. We'll see how long I can last with this. But um, so as everyone knows, I know Champ, you'll make fun of this too. I have a really big Dateline. Um, addiction. So no time, room, delete, <laughs> DVR's full. So every time there's a, a new Dateline out, I always watch it. And um, So as I just told you, Riverdale just completely you know, took me for a new loop, but I was searching through Netflix at new documentaries, new shows. Um, and actually my roommate, Brandon Washington, actually you know, was like, dude, have you saw this new show called The Staircase? Um, it was from the filmmakers of Making a Murderer. They're actually doing a new series. Um, and it's actually about Michael Peterson, who was a novelist who was convicted of killing his wife. Um, back in 2001, he was arrested and tried, you know, on trial in 2003 for murder. Um, and I was like, the name just jumped right out to me. And I was like, gosh, why is that staircase, Michael Peterson, why does it sound so familiar? Killing his wife and, well, down the back staircase, Dateline, back in uh, April 7th of 2017 was when it came out. And I was like, man, I've seen that. I watched it. Um, so then it made me rewatch that Dateline episode, and um, it just gives you the whole rundown of like the trial that this guy's going on. Um, he he went in on like I said, 2003, and uh, a new trial, which will begin May or began May 8th of 2017, is when the filming started in 2001 when he got arrested. And the show plays all the way until that final trial of May May 8th, 2017. So. Um, I have not yet started the series. I just found out about it um, this past weekend. And uh, the Dateline, like, just 
the remnants of that is just where I kind of have like the backstory already. Um, like the kids couldn't believe that it happened. It's his second wife. You know, things come up about his first wife and what happened there, where he's from, what he did. Where can you watch this show? Oh, it's staircase. on the staircase now. Um, is actually on Netflix. It's a brand new series on Netflix, so um, you can find it there. Um, I think there was twelve episodes when I saw it because I kind of like to see where I'm at for how stretched out it's going to be. Because obviously Dateline shrunk it down to two hours. So um, the staircase, um, an American murder mystery revol regarding Michael Ivor Peterson. Check it out. Tune in. Let me know what you think because I'll be watching it at the same time. Sounds like something anyone who likes uh, true crime, true life dramas would be into, and of course we know Sam is all about them. Um, I've been watching uh, a few things, but the one I wanted to highlight was the movie called Tully. Uh, it came oh, out a couple uh, weeks back. I, I checked that out. Um, this movie is directed by Jason Reitman and stars Charlize Theron, Mackenzie Davis, Mark Duplass, and Ron Livingston. Um, it's a typical Reitman film about uh, unconventional family dynamics, uh, sort of along the lines of some of his other films like Up in the Air and Juno, if you've seen yep. any of those. Um, I, I really liked this film, even though I don't think this is necessarily a movie that was made for someone like me. Um, it tells the story of a relationship between a mother of three, played wonderfully by Charlize Theron, and the nanny she hires to help her out, which is played by Mackenzie Davis. Um, Ther Charlize Theron is one of my favorite actresses. I love just about everything she does. Um, she's a really versatile actress, I think, who can do action, right. drama, you know, fantasy, anything really. And um, she she's great in this. She's uh, sort of the loving but struggling mother type of three. She's overwhelmed by everything that comes along with, with motherhood. And really, motherhood is what the film is about. Uh, I said earlier this movie wasn't made for me. I'm obviously not a mother. <laughs> I'm not even a parent. Uh, and the crux of this movie is about what it really means to be a parent. Um, I think it's a film that does a phenomenal job depicting some of the less... Uh, maybe glorified and glamorous side of being a mother, which honestly, um, I would guess is most of it. Um, you really get the feeling of what it means to be a parent and shows you that you really are sacrificing much of your own life uh, in favor of your kids. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not a parent, but uh, I can imagine that this is what it would be like. It feels really genuine and almost not like a movie. It feels like someone is making a documentary about what parenthood would be like. Uh, Charlize Theron is great as the as the lead, but my favorite performance is probably Mackenzie Davis as Tully. She shows up like 25, 30 minutes into the movie, and she immediately has a presence. She has this sort of confident bubbly personality of the um, that immediately brings life to the screen and her relationship with Theron uh, again I think it feels really genuine the interactions between the two um, I would recommend this movie to anyone but especially mothers and more specifically new mothers um, I think it's important that movies like this get made and it's definitely worth checking out in my opinion yeah. have you uh, heard I, anything about Tully? No or? I saw the big buzz about it though I know it was one of our um choices you know on the uh, poll that we posted which you know you can find on facebook at any time for us to go see a movie that you'd like us to review but um it was one that i was really hoping might win um because i don't think that i would see it like you said you it doesn't fit your status quo mm -hmm. um granted i i kind i'm not a mother um, i'm a fur father and um you know i have a, a little one as well with my girlfriend so um 
I would be very interested to see, like, to see if, like, you know, it relates to my girlfriend. I would watch it. Bit. I would watch it with her. Uh, Maybe like that's said, what we'll do tonight. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's a movie. Like, you know, I think that definitely appeals to new mothers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have the little that you're talking about, we actually went to The Incredibles with the other night, yep. and she loved it. It seemed like. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, like it, she's like what three four two two so three in august right so she's a new mother so i mean honestly it's right up Mm -hmm. her alley i mean it it just does a good job of like showing the things that you wouldn't normally you know broadcast it's not the having a birthday party where everything is all set up and glamorous it's pinata yeah it's it's not showing off your kid at the pageant it's not the recital dress up it's what happens in the day-to-day grind? It's what huh. happens in the middle of the night. It's what happens when your kid is sick. You right. know, it's oh, it's yeah. all the sort of non-glamorous things. And that's a really important real thing that I think should be put on film to really give people perspective well, about what it means to be a mother. Oh, absolutely. Like we, you know, me coming into this role, it really brought into light of the things you have to put to the side in order to really, you know fill the role of being a parent alone not a not a mother but a parent itself um i mean like you said what goes through the everyday grime i mean you know she'll sneak into the bed with us you know middle of the night but she sleeps sideways so you know getting kicked in the head at the middle of the night is something that i've never had happen to me until as of late you know like (laughs) at least not by a two-year-old you've probably been kicked in the head before but you know like those are the things and like when they're sick like you have to focus all your attention to them um you have to, like, not go out that night when they're sick because, you know, you have to stay home and make sure your kid, you know, gets back to 100%. Or um, you have to say no to those fun plans of going out and uh, hanging out with the girls and going to uh, College night at yeah. the local pub. Yeah, it's, it's suddenly it's, everything is not about you. Exactly. And this movie, I think, Charlize Theron is a wonderful actress, and she's they she gained, like, 50 pounds for this role. Oh, wow. So she really got into it because she wanted to look like the middle-aged... You know, mother yeah. who's lost Physically track exhausted, of yeah, mentally exhausted, who doesn't have time to work on herself because she's trying to do everything that's right, right for her kids, but still feeling like she's not able to make the ends meet. Um, right. It's just it's a it's a really powerful movie. I put it at number three in my top ten films oh, wow. that I've seen so far this year. Slid it in just ahead of Black Panther, so that tells you, right. uh, you being know, a big you know action or hero fan, right? Obviously, and... completely different genres, but I mean, uh, you know, I, that tells you how much I actually enjoyed the movie because. Right. As you, you can go back and listen to our review of Black Panther, it was actually our first review. Um, but but it, it was, you know, we all love Black Panther <laughs> a lot. So um, would highly recommend Tully. Um, it's not out yet. It's still in theaters right now, so you have to go to the theaters to check it out. Yep. Um, but it's uh, definitely worth watching, in my opinion. All right, so we're going to jump ahead to our feature review of Incredibles 2 in just a second. But before we want to get there, I want to bring up the short film that often shows up before any of the Pixar films. These uh, are a staple of Pixar movies when you go see them in theaters. They always have the quick 10-minute shorts, and they're often quite wonderful. Uh, The one before this one was called Bao. It's directed and written by Domi Shi. Uh, And the film is about an aging and lonely Chinese mother uh, who's suffering from empty nest syndrome. Um, And she receives an unexpected second chance at motherhood when she makes a dumpling that comes to life as a boy. (laughs) So this is a, it sounds strange and it's, it is strange. It's weird and wacky, especially when you're looking at it on screen. Uh, But the first thing that came to my mind when I was watching this was, I need to check and get some dumplings, man. (laughs) I have not eaten enough dumplings in my life. That was the first thing that came to mind when I saw it. What about you? Well, I just, right when you said that about Bao, I, I kind of did a quick Google search, and it was actually the dumpling 
is what a bao is. It's the food, and it's the wrap she makes. And okay, um, I, I was really, thinking maybe it was the was the uh, the son's name. But yeah. I guess that makes sense well, too because it it really. I love that it was you know it was like very quiet. It, there was no sound. It was just you know um, all emotion and reactions to certain you know. Obviously, there was a big crisis in her life. You know, um, growing up and watching her son grow old and. And, you know, Pixar just hits it on the head with just, like, how, like, precise all the, all the, what you want to call it, the digital effects are. Um, you know, the husband eating real quick and going, and then she's stuck alone. And um, then the, you know, I don't want to spoil it for everyone. Right, well, but, yeah, but you said it was a big issue. I wouldn't say it was a big issue. It's an issue that pretty much anyone who's a mother or a father would deal with. Emptiness right. syndrome. Eventually your kids grow up and they leave, and then you have to re-examine your sort of purpose and what right. you do in life because sort of like and we were just talking about connect. with Tully, uh, <laughs> a lot of times your life is you're living through your kids. You're going to their sporting events. You're taking them to dance right. recital. You're doing that. So when they're all gone, you have to sort of reposition yourself within your life. So I wouldn't say it's a big issue. It's like a small problem that everyone deals with. Um, but yes, the way that this short film plays out, the animation's wonderful. The, the, the looks on the faces are amazing. Um, and it, it it sort of felt odd when you're watching it, um, but the twist at the end sort of helps the story yeah. feel more balanced. Just in generally speaking, these shorts are so, what they're really good at is getting you sort of in the right mindset to watch the Pixar feature film, right? Mm -hmm. They're so heartfelt and clever, and often right. there's like a simple main character like a toy box or a little pigeon yeah. or an old man playing chess against himself, but they're just so like heartfelt and, and really hits you right in the feels right. that it gets you in the perfect mood to be watching a Pixar film. Exactly. And it really, like the message it portrays is just, you know, gets you thinking. And, and I think that's what they really, like you said too, they, they want you to be in that mindset for what's about to, you know, follow right i mean this just a bonus just a, one more reason to go see any not that you needed any more reasons to go see a pixar film you know in theaters uh but that is one plus about going to see them is the little shorts in the beginning it's yeah. kind of like a little bonus going on all right so yeah just wanted to touch on that real quick but we both thought this one was pretty good um so now we're going to move on to our featured review it is the follow-up to the 2004 smash hit the incredibles this one is Incredibles 2. So, are we going to talk about it? What? The elephant in the room. What elephant? Mom's new job. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes. And Elastigirl is our best play. Better than... All right, so like I said, this is the follow-up to the 2004 film Incredibles. Uh, this film was directed, again, by Brad Bird. He also wrote the film, and it stars the voice talents of Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Vowell, Huck Milner, Katherine Keener, uh, Ellie Fusil, Bob Odenkirk, Samuel L. Jackson, and a slew of other talented people. Uh, the plot summary from IMDb, Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, is left to care for the kids when Helen, Elastigirl, is out saving the world. Uh, so 
pretty simple premise to an actually uh, much more complicated plot than the previous film, I would say. Um, but Sam, uh, first tell us, uh, you know, if you were a big fan of the first Incredibles and maybe how excited you were to uh, watch this sequel right. and maybe just some of your uh, quick original non-spoiler thoughts about it. Well, it was for me, it was the, uh, you know, it made me sit back and think, when did the first Incredibles actually come out? And I, I do remember um, I was about 13 years old when it first came out and I was went and saw it at the drive-in theater and I kind of messaged you about saying, hey, we should go go to the drive-in sometime because it just brought back memories of how how fun a drive-in theater is. That will be happening eventually. SD, yeah. The SDFC will be going to the drive-in Field theater. Field trip. Oh, yeah. So the... Uh, so then I got thinking about the first film, and, and I was very excited because I really did like it. Um, you know, The Incredibles, Pixar, they always do a good one. Frozone, I was a big fan of Frozone. Um, our little one, you know, Keisha's little one, kind of looks like the villain from the first one with the red hair when she sits it up. But uh, I really did enjoy the second one. I really thought that it was a good twist. I kind of like how, I think that would be more towards the spoiler alert there, but... Um, I really like how they the storyline how it how it fit into like they had so much time off you know what are they gonna do how they kind of filled the roles um, with the time time spent um, overall I was I was very excited when I when I heard it was coming out um, so I look forward to going and seeing it uh, I hate I just never want to give anything away here at the beginning um, so it's hard for me to touch on a few things um, but overall when it comes to the storyline. Um, the, the you know makeup of all the characters, the makeup of the new villains, um, what the Incredibles stand for, and what you know they accomplished. I I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean I, I liked it as well. Uh, you know the, the animation in all the Far Pixar enough. films is fantastic. It's yep. it's absolutely incredible. Um, and what what I think is interesting um, about at least the first Incredibles is this is two thousand four. Uh, this is before a lot of things happened. This was after just Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo. So this was pretty early in Pixar's run, and, and what I've learned in my research is the animation team, Brad Bird, was, was tasked with animating an all-human cast, um, which if you think about all those other films, there were human characters in Toy Story, Toy Story 2, uh, but Monsters they... But, yeah, I mean, human-like characters, yeah. yeah. Um, but... This movie really is all humans, right? It's, right. it's all lifelike people. And what I what I know about animation is that humans are the hardest to animate. Right. Um, so I, I the original film required a whole new technology to animate the detailed human anatomy, the clothing, the realistic skin and hair, getting wet, hair blowing in the wind. And that was always a challenge, I think, in the first one. Even though that movie is wonderfully animated, you can really see that they figured it out now 14 years later. I mean, the characters look amazing. Yeah. They look, like, not, like, real, but they are almost real. It's like... They, they have lifelike motions, their hair does realistic things when they get wet, they're dripping, yeah. um, their muscles are flexing, they're blowing in the wind. And then the scenery, the, the landscapes, we have cityscapes here, we have sort of uh, mountainous... Seaway. Sea, yeah, we have like a seaway, we have a mountainous like forest landscape. Yep. Um, it, it all looks amazing. Uh, they have light and shadow in, in this film. So the animation is top notch. This story, I, I agree, it is a good story. It's a much more detailed story this right. time. The first Incredibles we had just basically, you know, th there was like the the opening stanza, and then we jump back in time. 
or jump ahead in time 15 yep. years and then we have the story that plays out but it's a pretty clear middle beginning and end this one uh is is there's almost two there's basically two story lines going on together and so it we're sort of jumping back and forth and when they do come together the story is kind of jumping around all over the place um I think it maybe got a little bit convoluted at times. I do. Um, yeah. It was a lot more going on than the first one, I would say. Oh, absolutely. It, and that's that's kind of where I was gonna. I would lead in with that. Come uh, spoilers. I wanna. I kind of want to touch base on that. Um, but I do agree. There is the two storylines, um, and that's that's for me. Before what did, we... what did you think about the humor? Did you think it was funny? Yeah, I, I think it crackled. I was surprised as. Um, I mean, we both know we had that one guy behind us that was just like, I mean. It was funny. Right. It wasn't that funny, buddy. We usually <laughs> go at like 930 at night, granted. Um, we had a full full packed Full theater. theater yeah. So it was packed. We usually go late, though. Mm-hmm. So we usually get like, you know, an older crowd or less theater, you know. We had some young ones. We weren't the only one with a young one with us. Um you know, and everyone did very well in the theater, except the one guy that sat in, what is it, e- F7. Because we were in E6, and this guy was right behind oh, yeah. us. The kids in the theater were great. The 16-year-old or whatever sitting behind us was annoying. It's, uh, but, yeah. But there I, was definitely some some loud, um, loud more of- adult humor, mm-hmm. at, you know, at some parts. Obviously, he made that more known than needed i think the humor in this one was they went for more of like the slapstick humor there there wasn't as much witty dialogue that parents are going to pick up on there was some uh but but i think that it was more a lot of the humor through jack jack the baby of course is going to be slapstick and just him making faces and doing goofy things with it with his you know powers that we see manifest at the end of the first incredibles that's expanded on a lot more um so i thought it was funny you know i laughed a couple times there was some uproar some big ones of course we had a lot of kids in there so definitely with jack jack like you said it was i think was (laughs) expected when 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 spoilers come, we'll, yeah. we'll get into it. Because Sam's, it Sam's saving really a lot I'm really I got a couple more things to yep, say just, just before out. we get there. Get them um, out. I, I really like I like the first Incredibles and this one. Um, it's it's really a tribute to comic books and superhero movies in general. They sort of try and phase in, you know, Superman, the Batman. Yeah. Uh, they try and sort of take elements from all the different superhero stories. So I like how it's sort of like a tribute to that. Um, I like the score in the film throughout it. It's sort of like a mixture of like the Marvel score and like James Bond, I would say. <laughs> and it's like you know, yeah. you know, it's it's really cool. I like that. And I do think this movie uh, did a great job incorporating some adult, like really uh, timely adult themes into it. Um, you know, it's it's obviously yep, yep. a kids movie and it's a simple, uh, harmless story about superheroes, um, but it it really does sort of touch on some things that are going on right now. Right, um, very much it, so. So uh, there was a lot of good things to like about this movie. It's Pixar, um, so we we have a very high bar set here. And, of course, the first Incredibles was nominated for four Academy Awards, so mm-hmm. um, an even really high bar set there. I don't know if it quite measures up to the original Incredibles, um, but it's definitely a movie worth checking out. All right, we're going to move on to the spoiler section now. This is where we're going to get a little bit more in-depth, sort of into the things that actually happen in the plot of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, uh, check out, come back in at the end, or go see the movie and then just listen listen in. Um, But complete spoilers for The Incredibles uh, 2 now. 
So, Sam, uh, what's the first thing that you need to talk about when we talk about spoilers for Incredibles 2? So, the, what I wanted to tell in, in, in it here was about the whole, um, why I think, A, it wasn't as funny or humor-wise, and B, why I did like it, though, in a role, in a sense of how they did it. So, um, with it being 14 years apart, they kind of put the, the superheroes in hiding and it became illegal. I really did like that aspect of it, where then all of a sudden they kind of phased in all the new superheroes coming out of hiding because they want to, you know, make superheroes legal again. This guy is just really pitching for it to happen. Um, another thing I really did like, too, um, just to touch base on everything so I don't forget, is uh, I like how they switched the roles of Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible. Mm -hmm. um, it was always Mr. Incredible, but then this is why I don't think it was as funny with slapstick humor is because obviously Mr. Incredible is dumber than a box of rocks almost, or, you know, they made him feel that he's way. He's all brawn, not yeah. brains. Yeah, he's just, you know, ha, 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 hit, 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 ha, 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 ha. Mm -hmm. And then Elastigirl is obviously, so that's where it kind of slowed down with everything, how it was more of like a, I'm not going to run in and bust all the, break everything, and then fix it later. It's, I'm going to really take a more, you know, complete look at everything, slow my roll down a little bit, and, you know, catch the fly. Yeah. I mean, Elastigirl, played by Holly Hunter, she really is the star of this movie. I mean, she fights the main villain, who we find out is the uh, yep. um, the guy's sister, uh, who I'm forgetting is, her name, who is actually the bad... Name Evelyn. Elastigirl. Evelyn. It is Evelyn, Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. So she, we find out she's the bad guy. So her and Elastigirl go head-to-head -head at the end of the movie. It's not Mr. Incredible taking... Yep. You know, he's got his hands full underwater trying to turn the ship around. Um, but So it is her. Elastigirl's the one who goes in. Um, and, and that's, I think, a relevant theme right now about female empowerment. That's obviously a, a huge thing in Hollywood right. right now, you know, with the Me Too movements, with the Time's Up stuff, um, working for equal rights of, of women. Um, and that's reflected here in this movie where they're like, oh, we want to, we want Elastigirl to be the front page. Right. And Mr. Incredible is home taking care of the kids, and he's having a hard time dealing with that, with her getting the headlines. Um, but it's it's going against the norm. Um, it's, you know, breaking social norms, breaking barriers. And what I really I think that maybe it's picking up off the success of Wonder Woman, yep. um, you yep. know, who, which was obviously a slam hit uh, movie wow. that came out last year. Um, but what I really like even more, and it sort of goes along the lines of the female empowerment, is Brad Bird subverts those expectations again by making the main villain a female as exactly. well. Uh, not only is the main hero a woman, but the main villain is as well. Which is nice to see because we also see the downside of ambition and how females aren't immune to corruption either. They, mm -hmm. they can make the same mistakes men can. So I really like how that's a relevant theme that was really picked up through Elastigirl being, and right. I agree, that was a, a smart decision. Yeah, I, I really like that that played in the effect, and with you saying about Evelyn here and being the main villain, I kind of didn't like how it was very foreseen that it was going to be in a sense. It was pretty obvious that either her or, or her brother, brother Winston, were going to be, Winston, were going to be the main man. And, and you could really feel it right at the beginning. Yeah. They were just overly generous. Um, they wanted, you know, all of them there in their suits, and the technology behind it, though, within the, like, animation mm. of, like, how Evelyn came up with all this stuff for the suits and how she could brainwash and hypnotize um, was very elaborate. And it kind of, like, I know we talked about it at the theater a little bit. We didn't have much time, but 
that screens are actually empowering everyone. Like uh, how, how getting the, not just like she used glasses to, you know, take control, but like just the screens of our phones. Like, I mean, people are trying to, like right now you can't hear me as well because I'm blocking the mic because I have my phone right in front of my face. Um, we're trying to have a conversation right now for a podcast, and our, both our phones are blowing up with notifications from Facebook, Twitter, you know, whatever. Everything. And we can't go 10 seconds without having someone reach out to us with our phones. And that's another reason that I was talking about the relevant themes. Yeah. The idea that even though Screenslaver was Evelyn, yes. um, the idea that we're sort of all trapped by our obsession with screens and technology. And I really liked the, when she was trying to set the the trap for Screenslaver, how he's just going on about this big monologue yeah. about how we're all you right. know, trapped by Preaching. our... Yeah, and that monologue, honestly, if you listen to it, is really haunting and scary if you listen to actually what he's talking about and how technology is sort of taking over our lives. Right. Um, you know, as you know, as we find out, I mean, that's... He's just a, a pawn in Evelyn's game, but the idea of that being a villain is really clever, I think. Absolutely, and it should bring to light, like, younger generations. I mean, even our generation is absolutely, you know, horrendous. But, like, my brother's four years younger than me. And, I mean, just what they're doing on screen nowadays, like, people are playing Xbox instead of getting outdoors and, you know, seeing actual trees. They're building trees on Minecraft. You right. know, they're building forts on Minecraft. I was talking to my dad the, uh, this weekend on the golf course, and, and he actually teaches health three hours a week these days. He's a retired uh, administrator. But he was talking about how he would talk to his kids, this first question on the whiteboard, every Monday when they come in, what'd you do this weekend? And he told me that over three quarters of them would say, played Fortnite. Yeah. And that's just right along the lines of, here's a kid's movie, a family film, as we like to right. call them, that's you know really just about superheroes. But because the filmmakers are implementing this sort of real relevant theme of slaves to our own technology, I think that it ups it a notch, and that's why Pixar is so great. Oh, yeah. And also along those lines for the adults is this is a really political movie. <laughs> there's a lot of talk about policy, there's dignitaries, there's an ambassador that looks like Hillary Clinton, uh, the Winston character is sort of a lobbyist type. Yeah. Um, so all these things are going to go... Braylon, you're, you're yeah. wasn't picking up on any of this, but all the adults sitting in there are, have to be picking Absolutely. up on these sort of real timely issues that are going on. And they're definitely reflected in the movie about superheroes. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And they do a really good job at, you know, relating to both. Exactly. I mean, Pixar's they're geniuses at that. We talked yeah. about that when we when we ranked our uh, top three Pixar films. They're they're the masters of balancing uh, you know, entertaining stuff for the kids like slapstick, jack jack humor, <laughs> and incorporating themes like women, female empowerment and uh, you know, technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um Another thing I liked about this movie is I think they do a good job of giving the side characters more to do. You know, yeah. Frozone doesn't just show up at the beginning of the end. He's a constant presence throughout right. this. Yep. Dash, Violet, and Jack-Jack are all much more integ integral to the plot. They all have their sort of side uh, plots going on. Yeah. Violet with the with the with kid the that she likes. Tony. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jack-Jack just learning about his powers. You know, Dash trying to figure out math, which I feel you there, Dash. I, I still don't know how to do math, so. I'm not even going to comment. I'm yeah. Gonna... Uh, this is why we talk. We're not adding on this uh, one right here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I really, I liked, you know, sort of how everyone felt like they had more to do this time instead right. of just relying on Mr. Incredible to do everything. Absolutely. I, I do like that fact, too. And, and we kind of saw it in the first one, if I remember correctly, that, like, the kids really wanted to feel more involved. Mm -hmm. Um 
and they kind of, they kind of get that chance, even though Elastigirl didn't really approve or she didn't want to approve. Right. But, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, um, they get their shine and they get their time and what they did, do a good job. What did you think about the movie picking up? Uh, you know, like we said, there's 14 minutes or 14, 14 minutes, 14 years between these two films. And yeah. the start of this movie picks up right where we see the end pick up where uh, the underminers coming up through the ground and they're getting ready to take them. And this movie picks up right there. Did you, right. were you surprised by that? I, I, I was wondering what route they were going to go. Um, I mean, 14 years, you could have made everyone older. You could have made Dash a teenager, Jack-Jack older. Um, Violet, obviously, she would probably be pre... In college or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, freshman in college. Um, but no, they did it. They did a good job. They kept everyone, you know, right around the same age, and they didn't skip a beat, and I really enjoyed that. And I think it, I think it was better that way than it would have been if they aged everyone. Well, yeah, the damn underminer got away. We don't know what happened to him. He's still out there. Yeah, he's still out there somewhere. But what I do think is interesting about that decision is at the at the end of the first Incredibles, sure, they all come out of hiding and they save the city from uh, Syndrome's plot. But what we I at least what I forgot because they were victorious is that superheroes were still illegal, even though they were victorious, they were still illegal. And that move that. Uh, this movie picks up right there where superheroes are still illegal right. and picks up sort of on that theme is look at all the damage you're still doing. You still have to hide. So I, I think that was somewhat clever to sort of pick it up right there yeah. uh, instead of having to move forward with an entirely different plot. And we also have to remember Iron Man and the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe came out in 2008. This movie came out in 2004. Or the first movie came out in 2004. So this, the first Incredibles was ahead of the curve on the superhero explosion. Now, when Brad Bird and the filmmakers had to make this movie, they've had a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe of films and a DC Universe of films that are about superheroes to deal with that all have had their own plots, that have all had their own right. scripts. And to be able to find a story that is going to be unique within the superhero genre was a real challenge this time. I think. Yeah, I think for the most part they did a good job, but there are some parts that I wasn't crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will get to that in a second here. But was there anything about the movie that sort of bugged you or you you didn't like as much? I, I just I didn't like the, you know, um, what's the best word to use here? The predictability would probably be my best word I could probably fit in there is that everything was very predictable. You knew when it was going to end, usually, but that's how, you know, the first movie was kind of in the same sense. Um, like I said, Winston and Evelyn being, you know, Winston. I thought Winston was going to be the bad guy. Didn't see Evelyn. Um, so that was a twist there. But that you, was just my biggest downfall right there is I just. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious that one, they right from the start, you know, they're the greedy corporate. They were just too nice. Yeah. They were, everything was too convenient. You too just easy. knew one of them were going to end up being in control of the screen slaver yeah. and whatnot. And I do agree it was a little bit predictable. Um, when I said earlier that, you know, this plot, like I said, there's a lot more going on. It's not as straightforward. And, and when I say that it was a little bit convoluted, um, I'm really talking about the end, the climax on the boat. There right. was a lot going on. Oh, we got this. We got the superheroes that are brainwashed that are fighting against the kids, um, you know. And then at the, when you get even further to the end, Evelyn takes off in the jet, and Elastigirl's on the jet, and Mister Incredible's underwater trying to turn the thing, and Frozone's blasting ice, um, and the kids are on the thing fighting, and the. 
the um, Winston's out there trying to turn off the stuff. There was just a lot going on, and it was really choppy editing. There was a, it was bouncing around a lot, and I actually found it a little bit hard to follow, especially right. for a family film. I'm sitting there thinking, there's so much going on here, I can't even follow. What is a five-year-old thinking? Right. Yeah, so, I would agree with that. I, I didn't think of it in that complex, but... Um, Makes you wonder, like, why they had to, you know, scrunch everything down into what? It was a mere two minutes? Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, things came together pretty quick, and I guess that's good. I don't want the, the final sequence to be drawn out too too hard. I mean, this is an hour and 56 minute movie, so that's yeah. pretty long for a family film. Um, plus, you got the short film in the beginning, so you're looking at two hours of sitting yeah, in, the, in the theater. Um, you know, the, the two storylines I mentioned that has going on, Elastigirl's off doing her thing, and uh, Mr. Incredible is, is taking care of the Mr. kids. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that's where most of the humor came from, was yeah. him playing Mr. Mom, and it was <laughs> funny to see. A big um, old guy, you know. It, yeah, and I agree, sort of like the film we talked about with Adrift a couple weeks ago, how there was two storylines in that, and it jumped back and forth so much, it was hard to sort of get into any yeah. one moment. Yep. I think this one did a good job balancing the two right. for the most part. So, uh, yeah, it was a good movie for the most part, I thought. You know, it's Pixar, so like I said, really high bar. Um, but uh, let's get into sort of our uh, final say here. So, Sam, what's your sort of final... Uh, ruling on this one I, i'm not going to rank it compared to what i thought of the first one in the second one because i did like the first one better um i do think they did a really good job though i do like the underlying themes i do like how um again my biggest downfall was the predictability i do like how they incorporated jack jack more and they kind of settled his powers down and they kind of controlled them a little more because in the first one if i remember correctly too it was more like he did it behind the scenes and we saw it but no one else knew what he could do um i like how they brought it to light they went to, you know, Madame and had to make a nice little, you know, you better be using Edna me. Mode, who Edna is Mode. one of, uh, I know my fiance just loves Edna Mode, and a lot of people love her yeah, as a character. Yeah, it cracks me up. She's great in this one, too, we should say. I babysit for free. Yeah, she was a highlight in the first one, and she definitely has a shining moment here exactly. in this one as well. So, um, you know, among those, Pixar never disappoints with me. Like, I never will ever feel bad buying a ticket at any price to go see a Pixar film. Um one of the main things too I like about that as much is that anyone can go and it will like you know everyone will pick up different things from it I'm talking about in age ranges there um, so the humor um, the kind of underlying themes like I said I gave it an 8 I thought it was uh, I really enjoyed it I would go see it again um, but I do I would rate the, the first one better than the second Okay, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it quite lived up to the first, but I do think it was a worthy follow-up. Um, I liked how they, you know, sort of took a new take and they found a new angle into the superhero genre, which is obviously flooded now. This movie looks amazing. The animation is incredible, uh, whether it's the characters or the scenery. The action sequences are amazing. It's just incredible what people can do right. uh, on a computer these days. Um, I think there's some really amazing adult themes in this, you know, whether it's the women, female empowerment, uh, the, te the technology and how we interact with it. There's some political underlines to this one. Pixar always nails it with hitting every demographic. I like how the side characters had a little bit more to do in this one. Mm -hmm. I do think it was a little convoluted at times, like I said. Um, the, the climax didn't live up to the first film's climax for me. Um, I think I gave the first film uh, a 7, but it would have been more of a 7-5 for me. Yeah. Um, so I can't 
give this one higher than that. Uh, so this would be a straight seven for me. But again, it's Pixar, super high bar, uh, just because, you know, it's it's definitely worth seeing. It's it's a Pixar film. you got to see every Pixar movie. So what would you think, Dean? Okay, how's the beach, Evan? Hope you're wearing sunscreen. All right, anyways, that's going to do it for this episode. We were glad to get back here. We took a little week off, you know, busy summer schedules, but we got some big movies coming up. Jurassic World's coming out so this excited. week. So excited. Uh, Mission Impossible, the new one's coming out. We got yep. Ant-Man and the Wasp in a couple yep. weeks. Um, so the summer blockbuster season is in full swing. I, I, yeah, I, and then that one, um, White Boy Rick. Yeah, that's, that's later on in the summer, or maybe in September-ish. Yeah, but, that's fall. That's yeah. that's a little farther off. But there's a lot of good flicks coming out, um, and we're gonna we're gonna keep chugging away here from time to time. We might have to take a week off or so, uh, but we'll have consistent pods coming out. And I just wanted to say, too, guys, um, I know we always give you a rundown of every way to reach out to us: Facebook, Twitter, um, Gmail, our website. Um, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, just do us a favor to all you active listeners, just kind of put a bug in someone's ear that you know, kind of say like, hey, I've been listening to this, and they actually do a pretty decent job. You can even tell us that we don't do a good job, if it'll even get them to listen a little bit, but just give us a like, give us a listen, second day film, we're always here, we're always going to put something out, um, like I said, Champ said our, our schedules get a little hectic and busy, but um, we're definitely going to at least give you two minimum pods a month, so... Uh, Stay listening, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworker, tell the boss you don't like. Um, just tell someone. And we appreciate everyone who has been listening and who continues to listen and who interacts with us on social media. Until next time, as Dean always says, we'll, we'll see, see you at the movies. movies.